Hello and welcome to Pod Rocket. Today I'm here with Olivier Tassinari, who's the creator of MUI, a React component library. How are you, Olivier? Hey Ben, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Also doing great. Um, excited to have you on the show and learn about what you're building. So maybe you could give us just a quick overview. Uh, you know what is what is MUI? Yeah, sure, sure. So. MUI is a library of React components for your applications. And I can expand there because that can imply many different things. I think we could come back to the beginning of how we started. So initially, the idea was you had React and you had Material Design. And so we went into putting the two together so you could have pre-made React components for your application. So effectively, uh, you don't have to spend time building the components and you can start right from that. So in essence, we are a set of pre-made components. And then over time, we grew into different directions and expanded that. But I, I guess we can dive into that later on. Got it. So pre-made React components. Um, and you know, frankly, there's there's quite a few kind of React component libraries and styling tools and um, you know million or thousands or hundreds of thousands some very large number of like open source react components that you can just grab um, on NPM so what's different about MUI or why should people um, be be interested yeah so how do we came about growing to the point we are right now so initially um, we were there very early on uh, we were there about six years ago when um, Google released their first proper design specification with material design. And we were there and initially we had distraction on the market. And back then there were not that many people that were doing anything in this space. So we grew organically from that point. And what maybe today is like differentiating us to people out there is what well, first is history, like this long track record, how having done many iterations, having received, I think so far we have had 2,500 contributors on the repository. So having been able to learn and um, use all this contribution, we hope we've been able to build an above average quality of competence, simply the mere fact that we have seen a lot of use cases that we try to accommodate. But if you go back to your initial question, like what is MUI? So I can talk about the mission we are and we have, uh, which is about empowering people to build more UIs and making building UIs more accessible. And that comes into very different forms. So if you are somebody like is looking for a set of React components and you're hesitating between different options, one of the first things you're gonna look at is what does that look like? What's the design? And how does that fit with my actual application? What does my, well, depending on your, your context, uh, you could be an uh, entrepreneur and you don't have a designer with you. So in this case, you're going to be looking at what are the popular design trends in the space and what are like most like the startup I want to look like, and then try to pick a, a set of UI components that's going to match that. And at least so you have the least amount of customizations to be to do. Otherwise, you are coming from a background where you have a designer. And in this case, you have many designers that are following material design. You have two, two different buckets there. You have people that are 
implementing material design per se, and you have people that are using the design principles to influence their uh, design aesthetics, so like the elevation, and relying on basically at major at Google they have a team of 150 people working on material design, so you have this huge pool of people that have been trying to uh, run uh, user experience research, uh, like and coming up with best practices effectively. So that's something we try to leverage and to put into the components we ship. Got it. So it sounds like with MUI, you're getting a more opinionated um, kind of design sense versus other, I know a lot of other um, component libraries, they're maybe more kind of generic and you have to apply kind of your own design on top of the base components. So is, is that a, the right way to think about it, that like MUI has an opinion on what the design is going to look like and maybe there's some customizability, but pretty much like you're going with MUI because you know you, you like the look and feel of the components out of the box? I, th- I can double down on why are people going with MUI, what's the trajectory for them? And that has evolved a little bit over time. So initially it was, I like material design, I want it. Then it grew into... I'm I'm used to their the, the the theming, the customization experience to their API, and but now I'm working on a new project, and the designer doesn't want to implement material design. He wants his own bespoke design. But I already, as a developer, I already know how to use the system, so I'm going to pick it and customize it. So we currently have these two kind of audiences. and of course, when you are in the bucket where you want to customize the library, then having this pre-existing material design set of components is not that great. At least uh, you have, like, it's a double-edged sword because when, for instance, we do breaking changes in the library, then you're going to end up having to adapt for them. So what you likely want is to be able to start from a lower level, and we are working on more... We Actually, we're already exposing version of the components that are without any styles, so that you have this trade-off where you can say, All right, I love material design. What I want to do is apply, I want to change the font sizing. And we have like this extensive theming solution so you can go pretty deep into customization. But you also have the other bucket of people are like, well, I would rather just start from scratch and give me the, the meat of the accessibility and I will take care of the CSS. So what is the theming kind of uh, theming API look like? Are you just customizing CSS or CSS and JS style sheets? Or is it more, um, you know, kind of more of a guided approach where you can change certain things, but, but um, you know, a lot of it is kind of uh, comes out of the box? Yeah, I'm going to dive into how that works in practice in the product. And we have different layers. Um, we try to like build on top of each other. So you have a layer which is purely the style engine. And that's what we are calling in the project the system or the style engine package, which is even a step lower. So there the purpose for us is we've come with the intersection of the styled API, something that you're gonna find in style component emotion and a like gober like it seems the community has been standardizing around, at least for people using CSS and JS, around this style API. So there, what we've done is we've created this standard API that we try to implement with adapters. So currently, we have a default adapter for emotion and an optional one you can turn in for style component. And we're still looking for people to add their own. So that's the styling 
CSS in JS layer. There, it's simply you have this CSS pieces applied to my component. Then we have a second layer, which is more what I mentioned before, the base package, where there you get primitives, so unstyled, hook only, or unstyled components only components. And then we put them together and we add on top of this a system, uh, which you might find as this theming solution where effectively we provide you a system where you have, for instance, a box component, a stack component. You will find in your theme um, a section for typography, a section for your color palette, a section for your breakpoints. So that's what we call the system. And based on these three building blocks, so system, style, engine, and the base, we put that together and we ship the material design components. So at the end of the day, um, what most people are gonna are going with is the material design package because it preassembles everything. But if you are in the mood for a going while level done, then you can. So in practice, how does that work? Does the theming work? It's one theme structure like design tokens that then are reused by the components so that the idea there is to get as maximum like consistency in your application as you can wish for. Got it. Makes sense. So, well, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's MUI core, which is pretty open source, anyone can use, and then MUI X. Um, and is that the paid product? I know there's a paid product that you offer. So help me understand a bit about like what are the offerings and what do you get if you if you pay? Yep. Okay. So what I just described is white core, which is our, our set of fun, uh, fundamental, foundational components. And that is completely open source. Then that's what we started historically with. And over time, we keep hearing the same feedback from the community, which is... All right, it's great to have this set of components, but I also want to have more advanced features. I want an advanced data grid. I want charts. I want a tree view. I want a, a big calendar. So can you do something about this? And we thought about that problem very hard. And like, well, we can try, but there uh, we won't be able to sustain this model through the existing MIT components and the business model we have for these components. So we came up with an open core business model where you have the fundamental features that are open source MIT and anything that is not available in the open source space currently, then we're going to publish that as a set of commercial components. So does that clarify this? So you will use MUI core. Basically, if you are building a design system, and if you are building a simple application, and you would use MUIX, if you are building a more enterprise uh, application like an ERP or more data intensive, like you have a lot of data to process, to display, and there you need the power of, of X. So what are some examples of the types of components you get in MUIX versus MUI core? So currently we have one. Uh, we have been working on it for a year and, and a half. It's the data grid. Um, so as simple as that. So gathering a lot of information, and we are growing the team and trying to explore the next steps. So next would be the data picker, and which is currently what we consider hybrid between the core and X. And the reason for that, if for instance, you look at Bootstrap, they don't have a data picker. 
And the reason why I don't have one is because it's hard, it's very hard to build. And it, it's currently in the car, but there the team has a, like a hard time prioritizing and finding time to allocate to it. So we're moving it to, to X so it's going to stay open source, but so that we can actually empower and have a, because in X we are growing the team faster than in the core. And so we'll be able to uh, pr- give proper care. So that's the dead pickers coming. Uh, we have, you know, had the tree view. Uh, we, we are considering working on charts and like effectively, um, it's a big challenge and there are already many charting solutions in the space. So we're going to move slowly in this direction. But I think over time, the next five, five, well, four, five years, uh, we will definitely go there. Got it. Um, and how does pricing work? Like how, how much do you charge? And I'm, I'm curious kind of how you thought about setting pricing and um, figuring out kind of that business model. So for MUIX, um, there we've, well, that has been still ongoing to be honest. So we're seeing exploring how that fits in practice. Um, but what can I, I, tell, I can tell you is that first for existing features that are in the in open source space where it was, well, we won't be able to charge for this. And that doesn't even make sense. If you look at the trend is more and more of this is going open source. If you look at all the projects that are popping out, they are making more and more feature like components open source. So for anything that is already have a solid competitor in the open source space, then we're gonna make it open source. Then uh, came up about this hybrid solution, which is what we call the pro plan. And there it's about, so if you look at the core and what people are using it for and why they are asking for X components is because they want design consistency. They want to have a single vendor. They don't want to have to pick different components from different libraries that have different level of accessibility, that have different levels of design, API consistency, developer experience, uh, documentation quality. So they want one vendor and there our hypothesis was, well, maybe there's a a space there for something that is very cheap, uh, but still a lot. If you look at the average user on the open source space, I think we would be making like $1 a year per developer using us or even less. And if you can price that 10 times, like if you increase this amount by 10 times or 100 times, then you're already a lot better in terms of sustainable and being able to push your mission forward. So there we came up with this like low cost price, the problem. And there there are features that might be available in your personal space. So the reason why people might purchase it is so that they want to keep the same vendor and the same design consistency in their application. And lastly, you have what we call the premium plan. Uh, where you have features that are just not available in the open source space. And so there it's about, well, how much value do you get for your business out of them? So to give a very specific example, let's say you want to do pivoting or aggregation on your data. Um, and you don't you want to stay inside your application. You don't want to eject and go to Excel or use like a table or whatever, like table plus feature, like from the outer world. So you want to stay inside your application. You want to be able to p- be able to process more information right inside your apps. So there, that's where the pro plan comes in. So in terms of pricing, how do we think about it? Uh, it's simply about looking at, at what people are willing to spend it for, what are looking at what competitors are, are pricing it for, and trying to find something that fits uh, with the audience and our model. Yeah, no, makes sense. And I, I know uh, pricing is always a challenge. I mean, even for you know, when I talk to people who are at 
massive companies, they're still always testing pricing, trying to trying to to figure it out. So it's a it's a difficult area. Um, I'm curious. I saw on the MUI site there's something about design kits for Figma and Sketch. So curious, kind of what what you're building there. Yeah, I think we can come back to the very first question then. What is MUI and how does that fit inside this story? So if you go back to the mission, it's about making building UI more accessible. And if you look in practice, you have well, we empower design teams and feature teams to build UIs. And there what we realized is that if you're a developer and in an enterprise or like a medium-sized team, there's a high chance you're gonna have you're gonna be working with a with a designer. And this designer he will want to be able to sketch the UIs beforehand. He will want to be able to tweak the wording with his product manager before uh, handing over that design to the developer. So what we realized that there, there were people asking for um, a Figma, what well, initially we started with Sketch, but they were basically asking for this React components for the design world. And that's what we worked on. That's what we call the MUI design kits. Uh, it's effectively trying to be very as close as we can from code. <laughs> so currently it's mostly using, well, most of the people using are using Figma. And there you get, well, basically this kind of the same props names. You get the same default values. You get the same design tokens. You get the same components. So effectively you are very close. You can speak almost the same language as your developers. So that's what it is about. Uh, and so will that be something that is part of MUI core or would that be something that you also add into the um, MUI X paid version? So it includes both the components. It's mostly targeted at designers and well, mostly designers, I, I, would, I would say. I can talk about like the how, that, how did we come about this product initially. So we had we were following material design very closely and back then people were like okay great i'm going to use like material design is publishing online their own figma but back then it was sketch kit and so people were using it but very quickly we heard people saying well it's great but you guys you have more components that they don't have uh, they're not using the same design like default values the same design tokens so it's kind of confusing when you're using it and we have then when the developers comes in, they have to figure out okay, how does that fit exactly? And to get to give you a very specific example, so you had uh, the accordion that Material Design is calling the expensible panel, and so we had a different name for this one that well, currently is better aligned. And so that's how it came about the the product historically. And right now, yes, it does include core. X product, but also on the business side, what we realized is that there's a very broad difference between designers and developers. Developers are collaborating and they are building their own tools and they love doing that. And they are doing that on their free time. It's awesome. They just I've been doing that for a long time. Just uh, took a lot of pleasure doing so. But the designer, it's quite different. They're used to paying for their tools. They're not this level of same collaboration. So the, um, basically the community is not there to sustain building this kit. So we had to come around, all right, how can we make it work? And so we came about making that a paid product. 
um, four designers and then we charge per seat. So if you have a team of 10 designers, then you have a price plan, pricing point for 10 designers. Yeah, no, makes sense. So pivoting a bit, um, I'm curious, like, and you know, to the extent that you can share what what's on your roadmap, what are you know, kind of you most excited about as we go into uh, 2022? Wow, yeah, I, uh... <laughs> yep, sure, okay. So maybe a little bit of background on like what has been the trajectories so far. So the, because I haven't talked about the history of the project, I didn't create the project. It was created by a team at Colemold, which is a Dallas company. And I got involved very early on there. So I was, I think, like four, five, six months in trying to build my own Android application. I was like, well, how can I, what can I find there? And that's so how I landed on what they were building. And I started to contribute. And over time, I started to take the leadership on the execution. So reviewing pull requests, um, answering issues, and basically making sure that the project was keep growing. And about two years ago, two years and a half ago, um, I sat down and I was like, well, okay, so... I'm looking for a new opportunity and maybe I could actually accelerate this mission by moving it full-time, actually more than full-time, like spending my days and my weekend on this and trying to push the mission as far as I could. And that's how that the company started and that's why we've been able to grow the project to this point now. So currently we are 14 people. Uh, we are going to be 16 in January. And that's people are allowing us to have more ambitious goals. So I think that can do the transition to your question on what's going to happen next year in 2022. So there we have a couple of objectives and I think it's going to depend on which side you look at is. So I think I can talk about each like sub product we have and see how does that fit together and what's the, the plan there. So far as the very first plan, and we, you might have seen that. So recently we released Met MUI V5 and uh, renaming the company from Material UI to MUI. And that was a step towards where we're aiming in the future. So first, the incentive was we were looking for a shorter name that was not associating us very strongly with material design. Because what we saw was, at least from our survey, is that we have a growing uh, flow of people asking, well, material design is great, but you know, nowadays the design trends are evolving. So a design trend usually have a life expectancy of about five years. And like you have to keep renewing it, so you have to evolve it. So the first, we rename the company to make sure, right? Can we actually grow beyond uh, material design? And the very first thing we're going to do in this direction is uh, I mentioned in the beginning the base package. So there uh, we are working on. We have uh, in the team we have Mikael working on this, which is to take the material design components and to extract uh, the 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 meat of the accessibility into its own package. So there we're going to expose basically hooks and components version without style. That's what we're pushing. And so we hope in 2020 to, to make that completely like comprehensive effectively. So currently we have about five, 10 components and we want to be able to offer the full set of components so you can actually build your own design system with this. That's the first thing we are working on. The second thing is we are working on the second design system. And there, the idea for us is, can we provide something complementary to material design to the community? Um, something that is not material design. So like, we, how can we, because we, we've seen very 
a lot of people asking us, right, are currently I'm mostly customizing and each time I'm building a new project, I'm customizing it. So could you make so that I have fewer customizations too, so it looks like by default closer to what I want to get? So we're working on this second design system. So there is, a, again, a, 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 a different people working on this. Uh, we have June and a, a designer we hired recently, Daniel Olin, that are working on this. Um, and we hope that by 2022, we'll be able to release it and to get start to get traction. Of course, we have the base, like existing products, we need to keep evolving. So we have the material design. And there in material design, it's actually an interesting field because you have recently material design three that was released by Google, which is material U. And they are targeting for now mobile applications. And we're trying to, still trying to figure out, okay, what, how is this going? Are people upgrading? And so we're trying to, we're waiting a bit to see if we actually want to allocate resources there. So that's for the core, more or less. Then you will get X. And there, the purpose for us is simply expanding this set of components. So continuing building um, like more advanced data grid features, uh, more um, more components, and try to grow this set of components. And people have been asking very vocal about this. They want more components. So that's the kind of like 2022 gold. And I can talk about what depends if you want. Uh, we could talk about like what's the vision, the long-term goal, uh, what's going to come after that. Yeah, I, I would be curious to hear that. So in this case, we have, currently we are about at 25 market share in the React ecosystem. What I mean by 25%, if you take the React downloads and you divide them, or you take all downloads and you divide them by the React downloads. And so by what I presented so far, the, the initiative for us was, can we grow that number to maybe 50% in the next five years? So that's a bold, ambitious goals, and which we're going to try to to attempt at it. And, but in order to make it so, we have to grow the team to hire. So that's one thing we're trying to work on very hard. And in order to make that happen, so first... Maybe I can come back to the long-term vision. So therefore, so when I'm talking about making building UR accessible, if you look at what, why we exist and why people are joining us, it's because they are builders. They love building UIs. And more importantly, they want to empower other people to build UIs. And so for us, it's this, like, this common theme we are following. And if you look at five years from now, so on, uh, in addition to growing the team, to developing this product in a React space, we also want very like, obvious trend, which is, there are more people coming to the development space, people with less skills, and there's an explosion of demand for building custom applications. So you have this like um, misalignment between the needs and the skills that are available in the in the market. If you look at the number of developers that have been like entering the space like outside from universities, it has been quite more or less stable for the last five years. So there, what we have we are envisioning exploring is going into the local space. Uh, looking into how can MUI bring something valuable to people already building, like mostly the developers that are building already application with us, and how can we bring a new product that's going to make empower them to build the same thing ten times faster? So that's the goal. Uh, we are exploring that. So we have a small team working on this that started very recently. Uh, we're trying to figure out how that can happen, uh, but hopefully for us. Um, at least our, our dream is that five, ten years from now, uh, you will see the same thing that has happened 
like from bytecode to assembly, then from assembly to C++, uh, then from static to dynamic languages integrated. Uh, like we have, might be something there that we can actually push for. So will it be a UI builder? Will it be a design system studio? Uh, something we are figuring out. And in terms of growth, so I mentioned, so we are currently 16 people. Um, this week, we're going to open eight new roles. And I think if you look at your current growth rate, so we're about tripling every year on average. Uh, we're looking for hiring 30 people next year. So that's, I think that's the current trend we are. And are, are you, um, I believe you raised some funding um, in addition to kind of the the revenue you're bringing in. Is that right? So no, we haven't. Um, we are currently set bootstrapped. And there are a couple of reasons for that. So, well, I think the most obvious one is if you want to, people picking UI or well, any technology, they're going to look at how sustainable that is. And <laughs> to some extent, at least, that's one of the decision factors, which is can I rely on this for the next two, three years? And I can I trust the team that's going to deliver on their promise? So by, I think, at least what I believe is by being self-bootstrap, at least by having like a healthy uh, business model that is your default alive. Uh, when you pick this library, you have a feeling that it won't go under like underground in two years from now. It's going to keep evolving and grow. So that's one, one of the incentives to be self-bootstrap. The second one is if you look at the current monetization models we have, that's not something you can venture baked. Like the, the business economics are not there to make that for them viable, even though uh, they might be very interested in. And I think if you look at currently, there are huge push from the VC world inside open source startups. So you will see a lot of money coming in the field. Uh, you've had, well, a smaller, like, like fundraising, like you had, I think recently you had Remix, uh, you had Dino, you had Rome, you had a couple of others. And then again, for the larger companies. So, uh, you had GitLab or so very recently. So people like VC are starting to realize, okay, that's actually a sustainable model open source. But so not fundraising, that might be something we will consider in the future. Currently, what we are waiting on is first being able to grow the existing products uh, like enough with the self-bootstrap model so people feel like, all right, this is working. And then considering uh, fundraising for the low-cut initiative because there, that's quite a different era. So area. So you have a lot more competition, a completely different monetization model, so it's you're not selling commercial licenses, you're selling access to a cloud, for instance. Or like if you look at Vercel, what they're selling is the service. That's something you can do with local. It's completely different. Um, well, Olivier, it was really awesome to learn about MUI. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. So thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Ben. That's great. Thanks for listening to PodRocket. Find us at PodRocketPod on Twitter, or you could always email me, even though that's not a popular option. It's brian at LogRocket.